Hi, this is Elmore Leonard. I'm I'm listening to Film Sociology, and, and uh, it, it's a real program. It's great. It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for Film Sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosa. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosa. there, film lovers. Welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter at Matthew Sosi. The show is available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes. And someday we'll, have a, we'll update our blog at filmsociology.tumblr.com. It's amazing what happens when Kobe goes. Yeah, uh, we have. He's been going a while now, dude. Shut up. <laughs> uh, joining me in studio today, we have company. Uh, first off, since uh, he was not snarky to me, uh, film yapper, nouveau writer, and uh, member of the IFJA, handsome doughy white guys in glasses, Sam Watermeyer is here. How are you, Sam? <laughs> Good, how are you? Uh, hanging in there. And, of course, a man, who, he's the Amy Adams and Emily Blunt correspondents. That's a rough job. Somebody's got to do it. But he has his own intro. Here it is. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia. He's an English guy. He came to fight the Turkish. Okay, Clark, right there. That's what I'm talking about. Lawrence of Arabia doesn't have any lyrics to it. Doesn't have any words. What do you mean doesn't have lyrics it's music. to it? It's music. It's music. I've seen the movie four times. And there were no words to it. What do you There are no words to that. There are, hey, did, did you hear what I was saying earlier? Somewhere I know that somebody, I think, wrote lyrics to this song. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Perry is here. No, please stay seated. Just <laughs> <laughs> great for radio. <laughs> By the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mike, of course, besides being one of our regular players, sometimes the Tony Randall of film sociology, he is also a part of a classic archival f- edition of film sociology with uh, Chris Elberfeld, where <laughs> the three of us break down the Hollywood nights. Because someone had to do it. Might as well be film sociology. Don't be surprised, ladies and gentlemen, if you hear that that conversation New Year's Eve weekend. <laughs> we will see. I Because I tend to keep, I think I'm the last critic on earth that does the best and worst of the year, because I always save it for the first weekend in January. Yeah. Just saving it for, you know, I may have missed a few films along uh, the way. And something will sneak in, you know, the exactly. Christmas week. Yeah, and that's why I also revisit the list in, like, March. But anyway, we'll get to that. And, of course, the IFJA, will, we meet in a couple weeks. It'll, it'll be bloody. <laughs> um, okay, but but speaking of the IFJA, we, we are in the midst of, it is screener season, it is grown-up movie season, thank God it's grown-up movie season, yes. and uh, if you've been listening to uh, Fresh Air this week, you've, you've heard interviews with actors and directors involving with a film that is finally opened this week, 
and and we are all better that it's finally here this week. It's called, it's a drama called Manchester by the Sea, and it is uh, Sam. I will I'll let you take uh, the pitch on this. Tell us about uh, the latest work from writer director Kenneth Lonergan. Okay, well, um, kind of like you said about Ang Lee, in the sense that all of his movies are about outsiders. All of Kenneth Lonergan's films are about people united by tragedy. Of course, his first film, You Can Count on Me, is about two siblings whose parents died at an early age. And uh, his next film, Margaret, was about um, a woman who's connected to several different people through a um, uh, a deadly bus accident. Um, spoilers, by the way. Not and for a, six, a five-year-old film, please. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Manchester by the Sea is about a handyman played by Casey Affleck um, who has to come home after his older brother uh, dies of a heart attack and he is left as the legal guardian of his brother's son. And um, that's kind of the basic setup. Uh, I really love this film. Um, I appreciated its uh, restraint. It, you know, doesn't go for melodrama. It's it's very understated. it easily could have. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a a harrowing story that could have easily gone for, you know, Oscar moments or emotional monologues, but um, it plays out very naturalistically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that may. Uh, disappoint some people based on the way the trailer sells it um, which is it sells it as a as sort of an Oscar bait kind of drama Um, but it's much quieter and you know more more art house than that Um, I I really love this film yeah, it's uh, Kenneth Lonergan who is uh, started out as a playwright, and I'm going to get to his his credits. There aren't that many, but um, I, I would say he he's he's hitting for high average. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way as, <laughs> as a writer and a director. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, there's a lot, especially with this film. Um, there's a lot of flashbacks. And you're going to see, you know, as, as you mentioned, uh, Casey, by the way, you, you, met, you cited the last time you were on. That means you paid attention. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my guests, I love my guests. I'm kidding. But uh, but, you know, but Casey Affleck is, a, is kind of this uh, handyman, kind of a screw up. And, uh, you know, his brother, played by Kyle Chandler, is, you know, we find out that, yes, we find out he dies. But we also get a, a further, almost further back in time. It, it's almost the film almost goes forward and goes back at the same time. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid you're going to have to pay attention with, with this one because you're going to see Chandler and go, I thought he was dead. But but you find out what has happened with the relationship with Chandler's wife, with Casey's ex-wife. Uh, Michelle Williams is in this film as well as Gretchen Mull. Um, and we have uh, – I'm trying to remember the kid um, who who, uh, who plays the nephew and the uh, – the older actor who plays the nephew really gets some nice scenes with, with Casey Affleck. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, we should never forget, Casey Affleck has a, nom- has a nomination under his belt for the assassination of Jesse James. And I think he's going to get a second one with this. Um, obviously, I, I think this is his best work. This It has been fun to watch him evolve from, and we all did it. We all said he was Ben's brother because of Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. And then he became the 
the JV squad in Ocean's Eleven. Let's face. I mean, I'm sorry. When you're with Scott Kahn and and the little you know uh, gymnast. Um, sorry, it's true. And you know, and then and then him get, and then and then you know, so he was that kind of kind of a punchable face looking guy. And let's admit. And then and then doing films like Jesse James and Gone Baby Gone, which I thought was his best work up until yep. this. And now he's got something that he's able to really sink his teeth into, and he handles it really delicately. Um, even stuff, you know, guess what? We have a, a family drama, a blue collar family drama set in, in Massachusetts. You know, Casey's done this before. We've all seen it before. We've seen, we haven't seen this version done before. Um, yeah, there's fisticuffs and there's some, there's some emotional tension, but it is not, it is not a kitchen sink drama. It is not the smashing of the plates and throwing of the glass as much as people expect. I, I'm going to, I'm going to guess it's, it's a really delicate balance of, of you said it's drama, but doesn't fall into melodrama. Yeah. And I, I think, um, one of the things I really appreciated about it was the fact that it kind of deals with the monotonous routine that comes after a great loss. Um, you know, there are people to call and arrangements mm-hmm. to be made and it It's almost like an it's almost like a Fincher film when it comes to procedure. Hmm. Um Maybe not as sexy as a David Fincher film, but but uh, but yeah, there is that. I think I th- I think it was in the Onion that made a point of. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's the other thing is, as as Sam mentioned, there's a lot of procedures as far as dealing with the hospital, dealing with the funeral home, dealing with the school with the kid, dealing with lawyers. I mean, that's it's all this kind of day by day, moment by moment of what happens after a death in the family, and the fact that most of this falls on Casey Affleck's shoulders. And and he just wants to go back to his non-existence as a janitor and occasional screw-up in Boston. And he's not able to do that. Um, but I think it was The Onion that made, there's a great little moment. And it's you know there is that emotional tension as an audience member. It's not quite Lars von Trier as far as how far, you know, how, how much lower can this get. But there's a moment involving um, a gurney. And it's it's two guys who are having trouble with the gurney. The gurney is faulty, and they're trying to get this person in the gurney into the back of the ambulance. It, it it's kind of reminiscent of there's there's a discussion with Allison Janney's character and Margaret after the big plot point, and it just goes on a little longer than you anticipate, and you can't believe it's actually happening, and it is. Mm. So there there are those little moments of that, and that's ma- that's what makes it fascinating, I think. Um, yeah, this again. This is not for everybody, but I I think it should be required watching. It's that strong. Now, see, if I were to judge purely by the trailer, mm-hmm. I, I would think that this has Matt Damon's fingerprints all over it, <laughs> and uh, you know they're 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 tossing young Casey another bone. But you know, young Casey's I, I would argue he's not young it, anymore. It, it, <laughs> he's not young, and and he's he's probably the the better actor. Somebody wrote that. Somebody wrote that. Yeah, he's the he's the superior superior Affleck. Somebody wrote that on Twitter. Um, well, well, this year, well, well, let's face it. He's he's really been given meteor parts to do. Uh, Casey Affleck's forty one. Yeah, wow. forty one. And by the way, this I think I think in the Affleck. I don't know what the I don't know what Christmas and Thanksgiving are like at the Affleck house. I'm thinking Casey won this year. I, <laughs> I'm gonna say, you know. <laughs> Now, I haven't seen the three-hour version of Batman versus Superman, but I think Casey wins this year. I think he well, gets the bottle of scotch. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, 
Ben could afford to spring for dinner That's after true. this year. That's true. So. That's very true. So <laughs> we're kidding. We have no idea what dinner at the Affleck House is like. It's fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really really fine work. And and I heard because yes, one of the producers is Matt Damon, who does not have a cameo in this one. Matthew Broderick does. But uh, but I heard I think it was as reported here on NPR was that um, Matt Damon Matt Damon wanted to make sure Kenneth Lonergan had final cut. And um, if you go back, I want to go back to Lonergan's IMDb page, his, his resume. Basically, he's known as a playwright, um, but here, he, and he's directed three films. So you mentioned you can count on me, which you know I think was the first nomination for Laura Linney, and that was a big turning point for Laura Linney's career. It also introduced the world to Mark Ruffalo. Mm -hmm. uh, that was two thousand. Man, that's wild. That's just that's, yesterday, man. Jeez. Oh. Then Margaret, which. You know, there was there was a great it, you know, it's funny. It's a great story and not enough people know about it. Great. I mean, fascinating where Lonergan battled with the with the producers over this and it, it got a it, it kind of just got tossed aside. And there's two versions of this film. I happen to own it on Blu-ray. So I have both versions. And this is another example. Sorry, gang. The director had it right the first time. The the original director's cut is really, really strong with uh, Anna Panquin, Mark Ruffalo, and and others. And now this. But he also wrote screenplay for Analyze This. He wrote You Can Count on Me, of course. Screenplay for Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yikes. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Wow, that, that that's some range. Um, Gangs of New York. Mar oh. and, and, in, and in Margaret and Manchester by the Sea. And apparently he's working on a TV miniseries. Uh, at least the screenplay of Howard's End. So, not a bad resume. No, <laughs> not at all. And uh, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed his three films, and and I'm hoping that this will be. I mean, Margaret should have been the big the bigger push, and it, sadly it wasn't. And I'm hoping more people go find it. But I'm really hoping more people go and check out Manchester by the Sea. Now it's also at least here in Indianapolis. It's opening up the same weekend as Incarnate, which wasn't viewed for the press in advance, and. Uh, and you know, I don't think, I don't, as far as new film, it doesn't have any competition. Although there's still a number of strong big films out in theaters right now. So um, anyway, go see Manchester by the Sea. Is it, don't be surprised if the IHAA and when I do my year in review in January, we'll be talking about this one most definitely. Uh, I guess roundabout a little bit. Um, what have you guys watched recently? Uh, well, being the the Amy Adams self proclaimed yes. <clears throat> Correspondent, uh, I did make it out to see Arrival. How'd you like it? Did you like it? I I did like it. I need to watch it again. Mm -hmm. It's it's one of those where they do so much time jumping, you kind of need to go back and watch the movie a second time to see all the clues that you missed. Okay, so you have to see this and then Manchester by the Sea. You'll love yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's got another one coming out with with Nocturnal yes. Animals. Which did you see that, Sam? I haven't seen that yet. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. As am I. Um, ladies and gentlemen, full disclosure, so, you know, last week was Thanksgiving, and some of us were on vacation, so it just this yeah. just kind of happened. So. I had intended to work in a lot more movies over my Thanksgiving, but I made it back to see Doc Strange one more time. How many times have you seen this I've now? seen it three times now. Oh, wow. Did, did you notice anything on the third try that you haven't <laughs> done the first two? Well, I, I, after the first one, I, I, I was convinced I didn't have the right acid for it. <laughs> we but, know that's a joke here at it's, it's a joke it's a joke uh, so you know but it, it's you know story aside it's such 
phenomenal eye candy that, you know, I had to go back a couple more times. If I didn't have anything else to do and there wasn't another movie showing that I wanted to see right away, I'd go to Doc Strange. Have you seen it in 3D? I have. I think it's the only film I've seen this year worth it in 3D. Yeah, it is absolutely worth the the extra few bucks for the the 3D. I saw it at the... uh, at the pseudo IMAX in Traders Point, and, mm-hmm. and I I really wanted wanted to see, catch it downtown at the at the big IMAX. Sure. But I never made it there. Now uh, I have a feeling if you see it a fourth time, which Grateful Dead album will you be listening to? <laughs> you know why? Uh, yeah, Europe seventy two. Okay, <laughs> so cool. Now Sam, if you pick up this week's Nouveau, uh, you can see Sam's right up in it. Um, let me. I, I I will ask. I've read it, but I'm going to ask anyway. Okay. Besides Billy Bob Thornton. Who asked for Bad Santa 2? Because uh, um, not Terry Zweigoff. Well, like I said in my review, this is kind of a weird time for uh, Bad Santa because, you know, there's such a strong push for political correctness now mm-hmm. that, you know, this movie totally goes against. Um, but that's what's great about the first one is that um, it just dodges political correctness at every turn. Um, But I wonder if people will react to this one as a satire of bad behavior or an endorsement of it. And what what do you think the film does? Well, I think it's a a satire of, of, you know, inhumane behavior. Um, But, you know... We're living in a time where inhumane behavior is becoming kind of strangely normalized. Elected, let's say it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, and like I say in my review, you know, we've elected leaders who are normalizing, uh, you know, racism and homophobia and all of these things that Bad Santa kind of pokes fun at. Um, I, I enjoyed it. It's, you know, it's a decent kind of serving of leftovers from the first one. It uh, also helps that you have Kathy Bates involved. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's a lot of fun to watch. When uh, I when I heard she was in this, it reminded me, I remember I remember having to review um, Meet the Fockers, mm-hmm. and, and I remember, <laughs> I had to say it carefully, but, uh, but Dustin Hoffman, I remember saying Dustin Hoffman and Barbara Streisand, it's like adding hot sauce to leftovers. And it's yeah. and it's out. And I have a feeling that's Kathy Bates in this film. If you, if you think it's a retread, at least you have somebody who is class. You know, it's kind of a classically trained, famous you know career actress who can uh, who can shoot shoot her mouth off with the best of them. Yeah, I I think she's the the real highlight of the movie. And you know, Billy Bob Thornton doesn't really do anything new. Oh, but... I'm sorry, Fox Masters member Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> sorry, because you don't don't get him mad. Right. Listen to that Q interview. Anyway, sorry. Would, would would you ask Tom Petty if he was passionate <laughs> about music? Um, Are you going to make a sequel to Southern? At- <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know, he doesn't do anything new. He's been uh, living off of that shtick for a while now, um, the sort of, you know, foul-mouthed uh, alcoholic. He was in the Bad News Bears remake. remake yeah. And, um, but also the fact that we've we've – kind of i i hate to say it but i think we've kind of run the bad cinema gamut because of we've had teachers and moms and let's not forget the bronze is basically bad gym coach um you know we've we've had others and and i i you know that's why i was semi-joking semi-serious when i said you know it's what 15 years first off that's a long stretch after a sequel 
Um, but the fact that we've had so many bad fill-in-the-blank films since, and does this one bring anything new to the table? And what, I think what you're saying is not really, but for the time we're living in, it's kind of needed. Yeah. Um, I just wonder, you know, everything It's everything is considered offensive now, it seems. Um, and, you know, I think there's a fine line between satire and... Um, offensiveness kind of like it's like reading sarcasm on social media right sometimes you can do it and sometimes you cannot well since billy bob's already hinted that he'd be up for a third one is there enough story there i mean (laughs) the, the 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 questions i had about the sequel are well is he still santa and is he still bad (laughs) (laughs) and and how much can you milk that we kind of get the premise of the movie just from the title it's it's the it's the snakes on a plane of, of its day. <laughs> well, he um, the the funny thing about the plot of this one is that while you know he robbed uh, shopping malls in the first one, he plans to rob a Chicago charity in this one. Oh, and so he's he's definitely stepping up. Yeah. <laughs> well, and at one point he says, you know, are you kidding me? I can't rob a charity. And you think that maybe he's grown a conscience, but then he says there's no way these guys have two million bucks and you see that you know he hasn't changed much but it does have christina <laughs> hendrix so yeah oh. steady yeah i know is um i'm gonna word this carefully does she say lauren graham's favorite line from the first film of course she does yes <laughs> that's really all she does oh uh, that's a shame yeah. um my now <laughs> i look over mike perry's reconsidering <laughs> <laughs> stay, go for the go for the Thornton. Stay for Bates and and Hendricks. <laughs> maybe, maybe if it's a long weekend. Marm, you know, uh, that is, you bring that up to to the Marm. Uh, no, no. <laughs> it's just one of those. No, but maybe when she goes to see The Edge of Seventeen, I'll I'll just veer off to another theater. Now there's a segue, ladies and gentlemen, because <laughs> nothing shows like Sosi family values like the Sosi trio going to see Edge of Seventeen earlier this week in theaters. Uh, in my neck of the woods, it was down to one screen, and uh, so I, I had to see it. I wanted to see it because one, I've, I've, you know, Haley Seinfeld has had a fascinating career. This is a young lady; she's now twenty, and you know, her, the thing that she became known for was kind of stepping toe to toe with Jeff Bridges in the Coen yeah. Brothers version of True Grit. Um, I, I thought she should. She, she was excellent. She was great. I thought she should have won Best Supporting Actress that year. Uh, but anyway, since then. Her career, I mean, she's she's gotten some high-profile films, but nothing's really come close. I mean, the Romeo and Juliet, uh, that was uh, rewritten a little by Julian Fellows. <laughs> uh, but she was fine in that. But there was Ender's Game, and, um, you know, I she had a bit as uh, Mark Ruffalo's daughter in Begin Again, which is yeah. a film I absolutely adore. By the way, Sing Street on video, go rent it. Also going to be talked about at the end of the year. Um, but nothing had really come close to that debut performance. And, and you worry that, you know, she's just going to fall in between the cracks. And she she gets to really shine in Edge of Seventeen as a, as a high schooler whose world is rocked when her best friend winds up sleeping with her older brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, so mm-hmm. it, on top of your regular high school neurosis, you have this family friend triangle happening in your world um 
and and I remember, of course, one of the one of the pop up quotes was John Hughes would be proud. And and speaking as somebody who thought the John Hughes films were overrated, and I was the target audience of the eighties. Um, first off, this is an R rated warts and all look at um, at kind of teen angst, especially when you think when the girl does not consider herself to be the pretty one or the popular one or the smart one. And uh, she's falling for the kid who works at the pet shop, but she winds up having this French, you know, story-wise, you know how it's going to wind up. Yeah. But uh, but she really gets a chance to showcase uh, her chops and playing somebody her, well, close to her age range. Um, there's also coming off the bench, Woody Harrelson as the teacher, capital T, capital T, Kira Sedgwick, who's turning more and more into Diane Ladd as time goes on, as the mom, capital T, capital M. Both of them, especially Harrelson, gets a lot more to do than just be the token kind of semi-big name okay, I, in the I was going to ask you if all of Harrelson's good scenes are in the, are in the trailer. Not all, not all. Okay. A chunk of them, and, and then... I, I will say he does more than just sit there in the in the classroom. As as we were coming home from the movie, Mrs. Sosi said, "So why do you think he took this?" And of course, my response is because he got a gob of money on Hunger Games, and I bet this didn't take long. Yeah, but but there is but there are scenes not in the classroom. So and and those those really adds a little bit of depth to the character. I don't want to give away too much. Um, okay. Although there is there is one uncomfortable scene with the girl in a car, and that's fun when your daughter's sitting right next to you. <laughs> Someday we will unofficially make a list of the films I've watched with my daughter with scenes that just make me lean a little further away from her so she has more space. How old is she now? 15. Hmm. Now, the first time this came up was, if you remember the the bedroom talking scene in Her hmm. with Joaquin Phoenix. Okay. Um yeah, I think she was what twelve. So uh, hashtag family values. CPS don't call me, but um, <laughs> but we're sitting there, and and Joaquin Phoenix, of course, is he can't sleep, and and it, we're at a, at that point in the future, you just touch your ear, and you can make choices like you can online, and um, some talking begins of a of a bedroom manner, and it keeps going, keeps going, and just when father and daughter thinks. Things are going to get really uncomfortable. The female voice in the film says, strangle me with the dead cat, which really broke up the tension. Much needed. Thank you, Spike Jones. And by the way, Sosie Trio is OK. So anyway, anyway, but anyway, 17 is it's it's really a solid look at high school life. And uh, it you know I think even twenty thirty years from now it can be looked upon and not not as a museum piece which unfortunately I think John Hughes films are so yikes I, I'm sorry <laughs> just got chilly in here no it's <laughs> kind of true no it's okay. um so anyway uh but yeah I really enjoyed uh, Edge of Seventeen and uh and then uh, seeing Moana uh, which by the way when you go to Las Vegas seeing a movie uh, going to a film that opened that week on a Friday night. And there's 12 people in the theater because that's not the fifth choice you do in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> um, really enjoyed the music. Emma, of course, liked it because her guy, Lynn, Lynn Mellon's involved with it. Yeah. And uh, and Dwayne Johnson gets to be the genie, kind of, um, nice. kind of a you know, rat scallion kind of thing. Um, not a scallion, but uh, looks cool, fun, um, enjoyable. And, so. and those of you who saw uh, NBC's Macy's. Thanksgiving Day Parade coverage. No Matt Lauer. It's Moana, not Moana. Mona. 
<laughs> it took Moana. me a little more. Yeah, it took me a little bit too. But you know, Matt's up early. He's, got a, <laughs> he's cold and he's out there. So, <laughs> all right. Um, what else did we, did we see? Anything else recently? Uh, let's see. I saw uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Right, that is still out there. What did you think? Uh, it it was very involving. I mean. It, you you really felt for the guy. You kind of it's one of those stories where you kind of know how, where it's going and how it's going to end up. Mm-hmm. But it, it was a it was a good trip getting there. Um, you know, I, I start to twitch a little bit when when Mel Gibson's attached to anything these days. But uh, th- this harkens back to when he was really making good important movies. I, I remember writing it's it's Mel Gibson's Sergeant York. And yeah. and of course the big the big moment with Andrew Garfield, who's very good in this. Yes. But but Andrew Garfield single handedly dragging guys one at a time to safety. And that's kind of the Sergeant York comparison. What what I what I what fascinated me with the film was you had the brutality of something like The Passion of Christ. I mean, it is it's a oh, this yeah, is a it, bloody war film. Yeah. Juxtaposed with some Fairly cornball '40s film moments yeah. of of you know the boy meets girl and yelling sergeant and you know these kind of the, the kind of stock characters yeah. that we get from a war. Film. Oh, I gotta go fight! Right. And by the way, I'm still 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 waiting for two guys from the same region in a platoon. I'm still asking for that. Two mm. you know two Southern boys, two New Yorkers. You know, two Midwestern guys never once ever. Hey, me too. You never hear that in a war film. No. And of course, my 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 little. <laughs> so, Mister. So, and this is a stab at the MPAA. Um, we have a very very violent film. It is a bloody film. You've seen? Have you seen Hacksaw? I haven't seen it. That's yet, no. we. It's out there, but um, but there's a character. There's the the um, obligatory introduction to the guys in the platoon. You know, as as I mentioned, the southern guy, the midwestern guy, yeah. and of course, and then this one, the buffed, the buffy, <laughs> chiseled, naked guy. Yeah, and 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 so, and there's a shot of the camera going across, and and then here's this guy doing chin ups naked because I guess you do that in a <laughs> camp, whatever. But um, and then and then Sergeant Vince Vaughn, who desperately looks like he wants to do shtick and and is not allowed to, um. He comes and, and of course dresses and and I'm guessing now I'm not a military guy but I I was told when when the sergeant like that comes in you stand at attention yep. even it right so so and and then and then there's also a scene where they're supposed to run out and do whatever sergeants make them do and and um, you know Sergeant Vaughn makes a you know private naked guy run out there. Yeah, it makes them do the obstacle course. Right, naked. exactly. So, so as we've learned from the MPAA, blood and carnage is okay, but flopping body parts for comedic effect are bad. Yeah, that's that's kind of <laughs> right. That's, that's just anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so that's exactly right. Yeah. So Gibbs, but Gibson knows that, and then he made that. So anyway, that that's out there as well. All right, we're gonna. <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to shift gears a little bit because I know Mike's, Mike's a busy man. Mike, Actually, Mike, before we – because I, I, besides having you on here, and I love having you here, and, and actually called him on as a guest, what is happening in your section of WFYI? Well, I, I'm, with the departure of Jim Shell, I'm taking over uh, some of the production duties on Indiana Week in Review because mm-hmm. Jim was a, a, a double title guy. He was right. host slash producer. Uh, so uh, I'm – Kind of getting my 
feet wet in in Indiana Week in Review land, and and when a big story breaks out like it did on on Wednesday with the carrier jobs, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I it's now my job to find the video for it. Okay. So so uh, we're 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 calling in favors and and, and sending people out, and it's uh it's uh it, it's quite the job. And, and and I'm looking forward to to uh, you know. Uh, working with with Brandon Smith going forward on the show, but uh, he picked a good week to to have a a big Trump story, right? So, uh, so anyway, now I have to really check in with Mike to see if he's available, as opposed to just <laughs> yeah. walking down to his desk going, "Hey, come on up." <laughs> no, yeah. it doesn't happen. That yeah. doesn't happen you're, every you're, week. Your people have to talk to my people, right? Exactly. I I, I keep a running li- I, for a while. I kept a running list of what time I actually called Mike to say. Hey, can you come on the show? Somebody dropped out. I think I think the the earliest was ten minutes before we were supposed to air. Yep. When we yep. were this was back when the show was live, live. So anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, we're gonna shift gears a little bit and and borrow the words from Chris Lloyd. Uh, we're gonna go to dead people we like because we don't have time for dead people we don't like. And um, a couple folks have note. I guess first off. Um, uh, and and part of the reason why Mike is here is, of course, he's kind of Mr. TV. And when we have actors who are best known for television, I like to break down and see what they did movie-wise. And for a lot of these folks, it might have been when they're on break from recording their series or, mm-hmm. or before or after. And uh, and we, we had a few of those. Um, I, I guess we first off, we start with Ron Glass. Yes. Uh, Indiana roots there. And I, I kept... I was curious to see what he had done before Barney Miller. So I looked and yeah, started first credit 1973. He was an episode of all in the family. Yeah, that's, the, that's the one I remember. Right. Shirt skins, uh, Maud, Hawaii five Oh, Bob Newhart, new Perry Mason, 1974. Um, the crazy world of Julius Roeder from 1974. Um, Good time, Sanford and Son, and when when things were rotten, Streets of San Francisco, Heart to Heart, and then, and then yeah, Barney Miller. So seventy five to eighty two. Um, I do remember the new Odd Couple, yep. Demond Wilson. Uh, but yeah, film wise, not a whole lot as far as cinema wise. You have Deep Space and House Guest. It's my party. Back in business. Um, Deal of a lifetime. Unbowed. But. Um, and that's oh, and uh, fire of course, uh, serenity, yeah. serenity, firefly. So, you know, but uh, but mostly television. So so we like that. Um, <laughs> we were talking the other one. We we I know we brought up was Fritz uh, Fritz Weaver. Yes, we'll get the Florence Henderson. Hold on there. So, <laughs> g- give folks a little background on on Fritz Weaver. Classic TV. That guy. Yes, uh, he he is. Uh, if you watched any TV, mainly dramas in the. 60s and 70s, you've seen his face. Uh, he's probably most famous for the Holocaust miniseries that introduced the world to Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. And uh, and James Woods was in that. A lot of people you would know are in that miniseries, but uh, uh, he played the, the, the father of the central family and uh, was nominated for uh, an Emmy for that. Uh, but he was mainly on stage for the early part of his career, but you could see him in, in some gun smokes and oh yeah, uh, uh, Doctor Killed there. Yeah, he, the he, he was like the first villain in uh, Man from Uncle. Oh jeez, <laughs> I know he did a Playhouse ninety back in the fifties, but yep. yeah, I was yeah started started out the stage. One thing I didn't realize, and I, I was kind of surprised, 
if if you were he was not one of these, and I thought he should have been. Um, if you watched the disaster movies of the seventies, I thought he would be one of the little faces at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, whether it's either a disaster movie or the all star war picture, and, and that didn't <laughs> quite happen. But yeah. uh, but I know speaking of of, of that, but he uh, nineteen sixty four played a, the colonel in Failsafe. By the way, have you if you've not done Failsafe and Doctor Strange Love at Home, try yeah. it. That's that's worth it. Um, movie wise, I think it kind of hit a stride. Uh, the, in, oh gosh, played Mishka Ravenswood in the 1969 detective spoof, The Maltese Bippy. Oh yeah, yes, Ronan Martin <laughs> did a movie, and it was that. Um, but also, uh, but there was that little strip of, and I, it, you know, really when movies were starting to kick in for me, was the Professor and Marathon Man. Also appeared in Black Sunday, in Demon Seed, uh, The Big Fix. Um, there was that period where in the late 70s, early 80s, because Burt Reynolds was huge, somebody tried to take old Dan August episodes and splice them together as a film, and, and yeah, he did yeah. those back then. Uh, by the early 80s, was in films like Night Kill and Jaws of Satan, which people have probably rented at one time or another, was in the crate segment of Creep Show from 1982, um, played, the, uh, played Wallace Furman in Power from 1986, directed by Sidney Lumet. Um, the last thing, and that's the other thing is sometimes you see these guys and they constantly work. And, but you know, me personally, I, I think the last thing I actually saw him in was in 1999 with the remake of the Thomas crown affair could be, but had credits up until this year. So, you know, constantly working. He has one of the great quotes about being an actor. He says, when you play the great roles, you get spoiled and think you'll have a whole career playing nothing but great roles. And of course you can't, you play a lot of junk most of the time. Then he follows it up with, television is junk, most of it. <laughs> Fully aware. We like yes. that. And uh, your your memories of uh, Florence Henderson? Uh, well, I grew up with her. We all did. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> whether it's original or in rerun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was, even before she was Mrs. Brady, I knew who she was from her multiple game show appearances, and I grew up being a game show nut. Yes. Uh, she was on the original match game, which... Very few people even remember. Was this before the, everybody was drinking at 9 o'clock yes. in the morning? <laughs> this, this, this is so let me get pre-Charles and Brett. Pre, Pre-Charles and Brett. Who the hell was on the panel then? Uh, it, was, it was structured completely differently, so they didn't have any regulars. But she, she was on quite, quite often. Uh, and Hollywood Squares, of course, the original Hollywood Squares, she was on a lot. So I knew who she, who she was before she became America's favorite mom. Well, careful. Shirley's angry. I think. She, <laughs> by the way, I think Shirley Jones wins the bet. She's got a case of scotch somewhere. Uh, I'm kidding. Quote, sort of. But uh, uh, but a lot of people remember her from uh, Broadway. She was in uh, the Broadway Sound of Music mm-hmm. and, and several other uh, big, big shows. I think a lot I, of uh, Oscar and Hammerstein stuff. I, yeah, I read that there was in ni- um, 1958 there was a TV. She played Meg in a TV film version of Little Women. Yeah. So, um, but uh, some of her early stuff was was being a pitch woman too. Yes, uh, I, I shared with you a, a commercial of her pitching all, uh, Oldsmobiles <laughs> in 1958 with uh, Bill Hayes, who mm-hmm. soap opera fans may remember from uh, Days of Our Lives. Exactly. Uh, so, so she she's had a long career that that uh, was strong before she became Mrs. Brady, but. Uh, that was definitely her signature role and what everyone to this day still remembers her for. I got to see her on a, perform on a cruise. 
and yeah. and then got and then I got this I got the smooch around the cheek because I was oh. precocious and in single digits and harmless. But uh, <laughs> you know this was this was in the early eighties. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but and and the the second half of the career, I guess you know post post Brady, there was there were moments, but she didn't quite fall into. Betty White, Cloris yeah. Leachman, not quite. There were there were a few moments because uh, I also remember she did, she was in Shakes the Clown, <laughs> directed by Bob Goldthwait, yep. and uh, the last film I, I know that she appeared in, she was in Fifty Shades of Black, the Wayans uh, knockoff. Guess what is, is Mrs. Robinson? You can kind of okay. see where that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, not quite, but 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 close. But but say what you will about the Brady Bunch, that was the in its in its. You know, lifespan, not counting the movies, it was on three different networks in three different forms. Yeah, uh, and that's including the Brady Brides and the Brady Kids the films, and all. That. Yeah, but they they made a variety show out of the Brady Bunch. Yep, they made a drama out of the Brady Bunch. Yes, they did with with, with the faux Marsha. <laughs> the, the 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 variety show had the faux Jan, but uh, the the, but we don't the, talk the, about the that. drama, the hour long drama, uh, family drama, the Bradys was. Uh, uh, Familiar, but quite the departure. I mean, they, yep. they 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 took the drama seriously. Exactly. Now, the one thing I, I should, and we're going to break with this in a little bit, but uh, but the the probably her biggest film, and it was not it was not successful that much, but it was from 1970, a musical called Song of Norway, and uh, I I only knew this because. It was nominated in the Golden Turkey Awards for Worst Musical of All Time. Don't worry, it lost to At Long Last Love. This book was published in the early '80s, but um, but yeah, that was. But it was, and it was also. This was the a product of the kind of big budget musicals that did not do well, like Darling Lily, Maine, Paint Your Wagon, and and Lost Horizon. So anyway, we we salute everybody that we uh, we <laughs> to the dead people we like. And uh, when we come back after the break, uh, Sam and I, because Mike's got to work, uh, Sam and I are going to break down a couple of titles on video, but we're going to leave you with a little bit of Song of Norway to go into the break. So thanks, Flo. You're listening, Ms. Henderson. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. Every living thing must have a purpose on this earth. Each king or queen, each flea or fly. Every single being from the instant of its birth must seek its task, must ask its why. The wildflowers grow. In throngs on the field, profuse, yes, but useless, or so we've heard. So we've heard. But this can't be so, for wildflowers yield sweet food for the bee and the My name is Zamanty Tombstone from the Svengulet program on MeTV, and I wanted to advise you that you're listening to Film Sociology on WFYI Indianapolis. I flunked sociology, so <laughs> good luck. 
Welcome back to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msoci at WFYI.org. Also on Facebook, also on Twitter at Matthew Soci. Hanging out with Sam Watermeyer of Nuvo and the Film Yap. Mike Perry had to go work. I appreciate you staying, Sam. You know, <laughs> of course. I, I do the show alone a lot, and I don't like it. Anyway, um, just a few notes. Of course, this also depends on what time you are listening to this show, because you can hear it three times a weekend including Monday um, at IU cinema Saturday, December 3rd at, at three o'clock, the 1941 comedy ball of fire. And then at seven o'clock as part of the Kelly Reichardt, uh, keen and subtle eye series, her 2016 drama, certain women, uh, Sunday, December 4th at three o'clock. Uh, oh my God. Modigliani and Mont Parnas. God, I am sorry. That's from 1958. Uh, as far as the Kelly, Kelly Reichardt series, uh, at 6.30 p.m. on Sunday the 4th, the excellent 2008 drama Wendy and Lucy. Monday, December 5th at 3 o'clock, Roman Holiday. I hear Kobe and Bianca. Um, Gone with the River at 7 o'clock. And Thursday, December 8th, the L.A. Rebellion shorts uh, from 75 through 82. Uh, Friday, December 9th, a lecture from Julie Dash at twenty at uh, three o'clock on December ninth, uh, followed by her films Daughters of the Dust at six thirty p.m. and then the documentary thriller The Lovers and the Depot at nine thirty p.m. and then Saturday, December tenth at two o'clock, the quote along sing along Sound of Music. So that is happening at IU Cinema. All right, um, there's a couple of titles of note on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Didn't get the Peach Dragon. Sorry, it's okay. Sorry, Bryce. Uh, but there are two other films of note uh, that op- that came out on video this week. Uh, the, the, probably the big one, even bigger than that. And it was a film that, that didn't do well financially, uh, but actually turned out to be a little better than I anticipated. Um, the BFG, uh, Steven Spielberg film version of a Roland Dahl novel, which I have to admit I didn't know all that well. And apparently this was a book that Spielberg read to his kids while working on E.T., and uh, Mark Rylance, everyone's favorite, that guy who upset it, you know, Sylvester Stallone's favorite actor, who uh, who won last year for Bridge of Spies, gets to be the start, t- title role. And it's a, a, a young British orphan girl who befriends, well, the title character. And we find out, b- b- despite being the BFG, he's not even the biggest giant. He is uh, kind of a bullied by older, not older, but bigger and nastier giants. And... Uh, Sam, your thoughts on this before I get oh, going? Um, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, I thought I, you did. I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, no, no. But I, I loved the the book when I was a kid. And, really? Um, I think what's cool is you mentioned, you know, Spielberg read it to his kids when he was working on E.T. Isn't it written by the woman who wrote E.T.? Well, Melissa yeah, uh, Melissa. Yeah, she did the screenplay for this. So, yeah, it was her last. Her, I, I don't know exactly when she wrote it, but I know I think this was her last credit. Um. But I am excited to see it because I have, you know, some sort of I have some sentimental attachment to it from okay, my childhood. I'm, I have a question then because I've not read it, so I'm, I'm I don't want to give away too much. But is the Queen involved in the book? Did you recall? Uh, from what I remember, I I mean I have you know a very kind of hazy memory of it, but. Okay. Um, I'll I'll get back to you about okay, that. Okay, that's fine. Well, it's it it's fun. It you know it looks cool. 
there's some nice chemistry between the girl and Mark Rylance. Rylance is probably the main reason why I wanted to watch this because I know he's he had a pretty good timing of tw- pretty good 2016 of winning the Academy Award and starring in a Spielberg film. That's that's not a bad year right. by any stretch. And uh, and you know there's obviously a work with CG creating his character. Um, you know you can see the special features on how they made this stuff. Um, I I got concerned that the CG was going to take over, especially there's some fight scenes with the bigger giants uh, and then um there th- without giving away too much which i already have uh there's a moment involving the queen of england that i thought was going to take the show off the rails but it actually stays on course and works out okay the film's under two hours and i there's a part of me that probably thought it could have been shorter uh, but it overall it, it's a nice film and i don't think it it didn't deserve to not be seen by much i know it kind of got it, numbers wise underwhelmed here in the states but uh but hopefully more people will check it out on on video and uh and mark rylance has now become one of those guys we mentioned earlier i'm like well and I have to admit, I I, I didn't think he. Sh- I I was surprised he got nominated for Bridge of Spies, and of course he surprised everybody by by winning it. And going back and seeing, and this is one of those guys. What else has he done? And uh, uh, there's a there's a young lady that I carpool with who got to see Mark Rylance play Olivia in a all male production of Twelfth Night on Broadway. And uh, looking back. Credits go all the way back to 1985. He appeared in the Bob Dylan film Hearts of Fire, um, the bizarre uh, Naked Tempest film Prospero's Books, um, Angels and Insects from 1995, um, played Henry V uh, for great performances in 1997, played Richard II in a TV film, um, fairly recently The Other Bolin Girl, Anonymous, Days and Nights. He He was in The Gunman with Sean Penn. And of course, uh, Bridge of Spies. So, uh, mm. so, so, kudos to Mark Rylance for getting this. And I would say, that if you know, if you have young kids, uh, it's it's worth checking out. You know, my daughter's a little old and wasn't all that interested in it. So, I would say, you know, t- take the kids and and go for Mark Rylance because it's it's a lot of fun. Mm. Um, also, opening no. So, what did my daughter and I watch and said? We watched Don't Breathe, which came out on video this week and came out a few months back. And this is funny for me because. I had this film. This is a story of three, uh, three thieves, two two men and a woman that are going to break into a house uh, of a blind man, who they hear has a, a myriad of of welts in his kind of shut in home, and they realize very quickly that they've messed with the wrong blind guy. He's not only a, a former former uh, soldier, but um, Without giving away too much, the cheese has fallen off his cracker a little bit. So, um, but I had this film confused with the film, the horror film uh, Lights Out, hmm. which came out a few weeks probably before this. It just came out on video with Teresa Palmer. You can you can see because from the kind of kind of generic sounding titles, I I was confused. This is the better of the two of them. It's from the guy who directed the uh, the remake of the Grateful Dead or the Grateful Dead, the Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, not nearly as much blood in this, folks, uh, ladies and gentlemen. But um, it, for under ninety minutes, a really tight, spooky spooky thriller. Um, I I uh, I had fun with it. It struck me as kind of a riff on um, Wait Until Dark. Yes, very uh, good. And uh, for those, that's Audrey Hepburn as a blind woman being chased by bad guys, basically. Yeah, and um, 
I mean, I have to say this this movie's kind of ridiculous, but I I, <laughs> I I had fun with it. I'll just say I don't want to give too much away, and it would be inappropriate, but I'll just say um, it has the most ridiculous shot of the year. Oh wait a minute, um, which which one? Um, oh um, hold on, Are, uh, the kitchen equipment. The kitchen, the equipment. turkey baster. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. um that, yeah. Let's leave it at that. Those who've seen the it most know. ridiculous shot I've seen this year. Um. There's nothing that comes close to that, really. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. But fine. <laughs> I, I mean, I did. I I had fun with it, and I think the uh, the lead actress is great. Um. Uh. She. You know, she's kind of the the heart of the film yeah. And... Jane Jane Levy, who's who's uh, of the three. So you have three characters that they and they regularly break in the homes. You have the guy who's got the crush on the girl, but there's nothing that can be done about that. And he's tr- and he's they they get in because his dad works for a, a security company. Then you have a kid, a guy who named himself Money, and you really want him to die. And and he's the girl, he's the boyfriend, and the the kind of ringleader and. You know the least reputable of the trio, and yeah, uh, Jane, who plays the character Rocky, um, you know, doesn't have a good family life and wants to go to California and wants to take a daughter, Her sister, little sister, sister. Okay, yeah. sorry, no, could, okay. It could have gone either way, really. <laughs> but um, but you know, we we get about maybe fifteen minutes with this trio before things go haywire, and and yeah, she of the three, she's the one you have the most sympathy for. Even though they're robbing a blind guy, and as we find out later, a crazy blind guy. Um, if you've seen the trailer, yeah, there's 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 quite, there's a. Uh, it's funny because the 15 year old picked this out of the uh, single shot where you're basically getting a tour of the house to see how things are, where things are going to happen. You know, here's a closet, here's a bedroom, here's a kitchen, and you just kind of know things are going to happen here. So pay attention. Um, there's a little camera trickery. You mentioned wait until dark, and because of technology today, there is a moment where the uh, the blind man, played by Stephen Lang, we'll get to him in a minute, um, flips the light off, and we have what's like a photo negative. Hmm. Um, it's almost like a it's almost like the goggles in Silence of the Lambs, yeah. where um, you know you're you're seeing the two sighted people trying to escape and feeling their way through and. Uh, but but yeah, the the blind man character, as we find out, um, got something hidden in his house, and you're gonna find and and which mm-hmm. which of course is the inspiration for the most ridiculous shot, according to Sam, um, which I don't really want really to give away, but <laughs> but but I also remember the Onion made a point of saying, and and of course now that we think about it after the fact is that there there are some day there are some scenes where you know he can walk past somebody and not know he's there. And then other times he's like Daredevil, where you know he just kind of leaps out, and so there's a little selective when do, when do his uh, senses kick in? Uh, but uh, that was after the fact. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, and there's a lot of story going on, and not really given away much. I, sometimes when a film leaves, if a film is primarily in a single location, once they leave that location. There are times where the film can't end fast enough for me. I think of Red Eye mm. with uh, Rachel McAdams and Killian Murphy. Once once they're off the plane, I'm like, wrap it up, folks. And and it, it they handle it well in this one. It's it's a tight little thriller, not a lot of blood. There's some 
fairly disturbing imagery in this. And yeah, as Sam said, the most ridiculous shot of the year. So um, it involves a kitchen piece of kitchen equipment, which you might have used at Thanksgiving. And I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> so it's it's a it's a little more warped than just a, a, a spook house movie. I'll put it that way. And Stephen Lang plays the blind guy, and that's, that's the blind man, which he's li- listed at. And probably he's best known as playing the colonel in Avatar. Mm. And so, and going to his IMDb page, we love we love working guys. So anything from Gridlocked and Band of Robbers, um, you know, does Monkey's Paw, the 2013 Girl on the Train, um, yeah, a lot of stuff we've never heard. Public, well, he was in Public Enemies. From Mexico with Love, Save Me. And I kept going back, and I'm like, what? And I realized this was his third credit. From 1985, he played Hap Lohman in the TV film version of Death of a Salesman with Dustin Hoffman, John Malkovich, and uh, and Pamela, not Pamela Reed. Um, but anyway, uh, saw I remember seeing that as a kid. I was 15 when that film came out. It was my first uh, introduction to the Death of a Salesman, and it blew me away. So... So following that up with films like Twice of a Lifetime, Band of the Hand. He was in uh, Michael Mann's Manhunter in 1986, Mm -hmm. Uh, Project X, Last Exit to Brooklyn, The Hard Way, Another You, the really bad collaboration with Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, Um, 1993, Guilty as Sin. That goes out to Laura Jansen. Um, I can't tell you why. Played Ike Clanton in Tombstone, was Major Pickett in Gettysburg. Um, this one goes out to Ed Johnson. He played Stonewall Jackson in Gettysburg, I believe. Um, is that right? Yeah. So anyway, one of those guys, one of those, the, one of those, that guy actors. So, and the, and then of course from 1995, the amazing Panda adventure. So lots of stuff out there. Um, okay. We just got a couple minutes. Uh, Sam, what are you working on next for, for Nouveau and or the Yap? Well, for Nouveau, um, I'm doing a preview of the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, which is uh, being presented by the Indiana Forest Alliance, and um, that's going to be happening downtown next Friday, uh, the 9th, and um, it's a collection of short films that um, are basically about environmentalism and um, stuff like climate change and um so i'll be writing a uh preview of that and yeah that's about it okay i i i'm sorry i should correct myself for ed johnson not um stephen lang played general stonewall jackson in 2003 gods and generals uh, this is the one where stonewall jackson is actually standing on a stone wall I, I i believe and thus he got the name and i know it's one of ed's favorite moments I'm saying that with finger quotes. So anyway, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, here's some words to live by. Silent breed is people! Zardoz has spoken. Once again, you can check out Sam's work on Nuvo, read his review of Bad Santa 2 in Nuvo, and of course he's on the Film app. Sam, thanks for hanging out. Thank you. Go see a good movie. There's plenty of them out there. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Michigan. <laughs>
It's also an art film. Nope. Why can't we just see them do cool stuff all the time? I'm in a movie. I have a limited amount of time. Be cool. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. So get your facts straight. It's dumb. <laughs>